Hi, Simon. Hi, Alistair. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. So where are you calling from today? I'm in a little town called Devizes in Wiltshire. Ah, near the A303. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see it signposted on the way up to London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right out in the sticks. Well, before we start talking about like your success as a wedding photographer, uh, take us back a little to what you did before that all began and sort of how you, you got involved with it all. Well, I actually started off in art and design and I began to use photography to, to capture still lives or, or models to then paint at a later stage. And I, I gradually developed a love of photography and took that off to, I studied a photography degree and then went to London to assist uh, fashion and advertising photographers. Over a couple of years, I, I discovered it wasn't really for me and I wanted to really work in more of a, a social documentary scene. And that's where, where my style really originated from. And I, I began to, to shoot weddings from more of a documentary narrative uh, storytelling stance and it's just just really developed from there at what point then did you feel that you could take the wedding photography into a business but did you jump straight into it was there did you have something sort of supporting you because a lot of people find that kind of route into full-time photography especially weddings is quite tricky fortunately i was a teacher and i was able to do a little bit of teaching and then build up the weddings and then just drop teaching altogether and just do it as an afternoon whenever i felt like in the winter but did you have Anything to sort of support your career or your real passion whilst you were doing that transition? It, it was very hard. I had children, two children at the time. I've got four kids now. And I had to, had to support them. So I knew I had to hit a certain amount of weddings before I went full time. So I would say for about two or three years, I was working between two and three jobs. So I, had a, a, I was a self-employed delivery driver and I worked in mental health as well. It took a long time. I think I, I, I hit, I managed to get 36 weddings in year three. And that's when I decided to take the plunge. And sod's law, inquiries just absolutely nosedive for about three months. And I thought I'd have to go back to work. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it, it really started to kick off through word of mouth. And the rest is history. You've been in the wedding industry, what, for 12 years? Is that right? Yeah, it's 12 years now. It seems to, it's, it's absolutely flown by. It's, yeah, uh, that's, that's a long time, really, because... Well, it seems like a long time, because a lot of the people I know have been in it for maybe under five years. So how have you managed to stay motivated for that period? And, I mean, you've obviously there was a sort of that low point after and the initial step, but had there been other stages where you've kind of felt like, do I want to still be doing this? And how have you kept your, your game up, really? No, I've I've never had a point where where I've wanted to to give weddings up. I have had stages where I feel like I've taken too much on, and I think every wedding photographer will probably hit that stage where you want to you want to see how much work you can actually do in a year. And mine was I think I did seventy two weddings, and I just hit breaking point. Wow! <laughs> um, and you know that, and that I was doing my own editing at the time, and and it was just too much. So the next year. I went right back down to 40 weddings and just took control. And that seems to happen, I would say, every two, three years, you need to kind of take stock and maybe let a few things go and make sure that your, your kind of work-life balance is, is healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And actually on that note, with that amount of work, how did you actually manage and organize yourself? What sort of routine did you give yourself or was it just as the work came in? Were you very strict on yourself? Because that, that's a lot of work to be doing. You must have some sort of routine. 
Well, that was in, I, I would say that was probably, I think that was 2007, that year. So I, I, and I'll be honest, I wasn't incredibly organized all of those years ago. Now I'm incredibly organized with my time. So I, I'm an obsessive list maker uh, and uh, I'll have the day broken down into, and it sounds really anal, but I'll have the day broken down into two hour segments and I'll have a set amount of jobs to do every two hours and it'll be themed throughout the week. So it means that you're consistently getting through your, your job lists, keeping on top of everything. Each day has huge variety and it covers every aspect that the business needs to, to deal with to keep, keep running really. So you do that as a, on a weekly basis and set out the week or per day I, I, or longer term? Yeah, every, every Monday morning I'll get up early and I'll, I'll, I'll break down the week. That's really interesting because a lot of people I've spoken to have no routine and they do it as it comes. Other people say, yeah, I kind of do a bit of this and I'm kind of in the 50-50 of sometimes if I've got a lot on, you have to have to break it down. I just, um, feel, just feel so much more productive. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to know that, that my time is... is you know, you spend so much time in front of the computer. It's basically just computer work all week. I want to know that it's it's highly productive computer work, and you know, I'm going to get something out of it at the end of the day. As well as all the work that you do for yourself, you you obviously have this ability to teach and give out your knowledge to others through your. I mean, you have various things. If we talk about first your mentoring and tutoring that you do. How how did this and why did this come about? Was it a gap that you had in your time? Because it feels like you were pretty busy. How did you manage to squeeze in giving your knowledge to others as well? The mentoring intuition is very, very closely tied in with the associate program. And it's actually Andy Rapkins and Isabel Maria, two of the associates, play a key role in that mentoring. So it's kind of shared commitment, really. I find it incredibly... Uh, rewarding to work with with new businesses and ambitious photographers and it's it's two-way traffic really we we do teach them a lot but but we also learn a lot from them too the associate program came about when i really wanted to work with talented photographers it wasn't really to do with me getting you know too much work in that i could personally do it, it was more about having um a collective, a creative collective where we could bounce ideas and, and build the business and all have a vested interest in, in the success of the business. So the associateship really is a really creative space where we can create ideas like uh, our long-term mentoring and tuition packages. The mentoring and tuition really, especially the, the mentoring, is a, a version of our associate program. So students would go through four, six or eight months of training, very practical training, backed up with solid theory. And they would come out of the end of the mentoring program with a, a business model or even a relatively not established, but maybe a, a business that's six to 12 months old. Uh, and we support those businesses. We, we, we look to build them into a small network and we all help each other in the future. That kind of route, a lot of photographers, they have normally an abundance of work, work that they can't do themselves and then they're referring it to others. Is there a route that you'd recommend to those that want to work with others and almost form their own, like you say, a collective or actually work closer with other people? Because it's a very lonely career at times where you are on your own and, and working in a team or working at least alongside and those ability to share and bounce ideas is a fantastic thing because... Other people that I've spoken to, 
have very much pushed like sharing and connecting with others as a positive rather than sort of hiding everything away and just being a recluse and not sharing but being part of something sort of bigger and and sharing is is i think really fantastic and i've and seeing what you do is is inspirational really because it's it's that idea of of working with people but kind of getting the best out of others as well yeah i mean you learn so much and i think any photographer that that is just so against the idea just it just has it's it's i I find it quite ignorant everyone has something to offer and collaboration is just incredibly powerful you know you can be so proactive you can be so productive uh, in business so it's it's allowed us to do last year we did 141 weddings but it was at a very manageable level and that's just something that you know if the team if we weren't if we didn't work well together or you know if we didn't truly appreciate each other's strengths it just just wouldn't work so it has allowed us to really build the business and everyone's work has has improved as a consequence and then to build a build the success and they have the successful business you obviously need clients uh, how do most people find you a lot of it now is word of mouth but it has taken a long long time to to build that word of mouth i'd say really the consistent word of mouth referrals started to come in year 8 or 9 so it it took a long time so are there any forms of advertising that you found have worked well we do a lot of digital marketing so this is data-driven digital marketing using social paid uh, awareness campaigns and remarketing. Maybe looking at a few of the bigger directories if, if we think the return is, is worthwhile, as well as um, pay-per-click campaigns. So each photographer will have their dedicated marketing campaign, a dedicated budget for each photographer in a, in a geographical area. So it means we have... Say, for instance, uh, another one of our associates is Ian Martindale, and he's actually based in Yorkshire. So he will cover everything from, from Birmingham up, really. So we have a dedicated campaign targeting our ideal customer within those regions. Mm. And is, is digital marketing the only way that you go? Do you find that print's not worth doing anymore? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think I'd spend any money on print now. It just, it, the return just isn't, isn't there you may well get an inquiry from it, but the amount of inquiries that you could get for the same budget online, it just... And then it's, it's trackable as well. Yeah. Wisely spent pennies. Yeah. Um, so once you've got your client contact you, how do you then go about ensuring that you know, you're a good fit with them and they kind of have the right expectations to what you're going to deliver? Well, really, it's, it's about providing as much information as possible. So there's a lot of information on the website. And as soon as they get in touch, they're sent a fairly comprehensive email with further information and, and FAQs. I tend not to, to phone people and chase people too much. You know, it probably does reduce the amount of overall work I get, but it increases my target customer, really. And it, it removes the, um, the people that don't really get the work or understand the, the, what I'm trying to say in the work and they're just looking for a deal. So it's another way of, of really refining the, the, the leads, the, the bookings. With so many wedding photographers out there, the, the biggest difference between us is, well, really the individual themselves and their personality. But how important then is selling yourself compared to just the images? I think it's incredibly important. These couples have to put up with me for the entire day, <laughs> quite a personal day. So if I'm, 
if I'm a bit of an ass, then it's going to <laughs> potentially ruin their wedding. So they have to really get on with me, and you can't get on with everyone. And I think you have to be very careful about committing to jobs where you don't click with the customer. You know, it does work both ways. They have to feel comfortable with you, but also you have to have confidence that they completely trust your judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think when there isn't that trust, when they feel that they have to request shots and give you extensive lists of shots, not necessarily group shots, but just shots, then um, then I think alarm bells should start ringing, really. <laughs> and now, like you say, we, you, know, you spend the day with people. You have to be very in tune with emotions and feelings to be able to blend in effectively and one of the terms is documentary or photojournalistic. So how, how can you describe a little bit more about how you go about photographing a wedding? I approach a wedding day from a very observational perspective. I don't look to influence the day at all. I'm not a bossy person. Um, you know, it, when, it, when, it, when I need to be, I can be, but I will be very much uh, background. I don't want to influence the environment and I want to, to really document the, the true essence of a particular moment or a particular day. Um, so it's, it's, really, it's really about creating honest, thought-provoking shots that actually are believable. You know, I, I, my pet hate is unbelievable photography at weddings and getting people to do things that they would never do on any other day, skipping or running towards the camera or really bizarre shots. Mm. Just odd, odd shots. For me, capturing the importance of relationships and the fun and the emotion whether it's happy or sad is just incredibly powerful I think as I've got older and I've had a family I get that the importance of a strong collection of shots even more so it's you know it's it has to be believable but also you know it needs to be fun you know weddings are fun it's a fun environment everyone's almost all the time happy I love capturing humour and not mocking in certain shots, but capturing awkward moments is, is incredibly rewarding. And as, as long as I know that the couple will understand the shot and they'll get the shot and they won't be offended, then I'll often include that. It will often reflect the character in the shot so they can, they can relate to it even more. So Alistair, I wonder then what would be three pieces of advice for shooting an actual wedding, whether it's your first or your thousandth time doing so? I would actually um, give advice on, on approach. You know, I could say technical aspects to, to go into the wedding with, but I would actually place more importance on your approach and your mindset going into the wedding. You know, the key things are be incredibly patient. There are so many elements going on. Everyone's usually a little bit stressed before. During the preparations, just be patient be a calming influence, slow down, and don't overshoot. And those four things, really, uh, I find so important. And I tell them to myself before every wedding. And it's just, it makes such a difference. Being a calming influence, people trust you. A calming, confident professionalism. Don't panic, don't flap. Even if things go wrong, have a, just a really solid exterior slow down, understand the day, understand the customers, and understand the moments. Just don't overshoot. Make sure your images mean something. You know, wait for something 
wait for the image to unfold, wait for, I know it's just said over and over again, the decisive moment. And just ensuring that your images or each image actually represents something rather than just a shot of someone laughing or being. Just make sure it actually means something. Great advice, uh, especially the slow down because it is a very hectic environment at times and you're never going to capture it all. You just need to focus and uh, consider. Alistair, I noticed that you're shooting with the new Fuji XT, is that right? Yeah. How's that going? I love them. Absolutely love them. So I came from the Canon 5D3, which is just such a solid system. It's such a, you know, well-made. It's a workhorse, really. The the 5D3 is is superb, but it it doesn't. It's not a it's not a photographer's camera. I think where where there's so much emphasis placed on video as well, it just feels it doesn't feel feel pure. There's something about the XT1 that is very old school, mm. um, and I feel much more in control. Everything or almost everything is actually shot in manual, so I can shoot in manual as fast as aperture priority with the X-T1s. They're just such a beautiful camera. And the feedback you get on the, the preview is incredible. It means that you, there's, no, there's no chimping. I think you feel a lot more in control. And it, it aids the, my style as well, the, you know, slowing down and being more considered. And that's mirrorless? Yes. And is, is that the real revolution? Is that where the future of wedding photography is going to be when every camera... Doesn't make the loud shutter uh, noise. Or are we going to miss that? I I do miss it to a degree. I do like, you know, a solid clunk of a <laughs> shutter, and that was um, I shot with the D, Nikon D seven hundreds for a, for a couple of years, and that was I loved that camera as well. There was something very pure about that camera. Uh, it felt like a photographer's camera, but I would imagine it, it is going to keep going in in uh, the mirrorless direction. So then you say you're shooting manual. Is that your typical shoot day settings? Um, no, I actually start off the day in aperture priority. So my standard settings would be 400 ISO, uh, F4, and aperture priority. Um, and then as I settle into the day, settle into the preparations, I would say within the first five or ten minutes, I've, I've got myself used to the environment and I'll go to manual. And then I'll often be in manual for the rest of the day. Nice. So it's like a warm-up. It's like a warm-up, and I think any photographer would be lying to say they go into a day, you know, I, I, that's why I say be patient and calm and slow down, because you will have nerves before a wedding, and, and I think they're, they're healthy nerves, but just, just kind of help yourself going into that environment. And what lenses are you generally pairing up with? So that's uh, uh, 23mm, which is the 35 equivalent, and the 56mm, which is 85, 86mm, or actually no, 84 so uh, as we spent earlier, we are losing the light earlier. Um, how do you adapt on location when the light starts to get a little tricky? Well, the XT1s, you know, they are, they're very good in low light, but I personally feel there is a, there is a cutoff where I start to, to consider getting the Canon back out. And that tends to be where I, where I go above 4,000 ISO. Um, I just, I would prefer to have more of a file to work with after the wedding in post and once I edge towards the sort of 6400 mark and I end up being wide open, I'll typically not go below 125th. So it does 
begin to to get restrictive. So in the winter, I'll I'll often in the evening I'll have the five D three back out. Is that the same for when you say you're shooting dance floor things? Do you ever use flash at all? It'll all depend on uh, what sort of level of production the band or, or DJ sets up, the environment, how much daylight's coming in. The Fuji is more than capable of of, of shooting dancing, but I'll often use the Canon. Again, I just prefer the way it, it renders in slightly lower light. I'll use flash if, obviously, it's too dark, but also if I need to neutralize. So every wedding photographer probably will have encountered a DJ that uses just horrific lighting. And nothing can be changed. That Just the lighting choices they have, the colors they have are just horrific. So they, it often does need neutralizing, and that's when I use flash. But I use it in a very subtle manner so I'm still actually shooting a very high ISO or a, or a relatively high ISO and I'm just using a tiny splash often 128th of flash. Like you say just just filling that scene just to get enough of what the actual ambience and atmosphere was like. Yeah I think it's important because otherwise it's going to really clash with your documentary work shot up to that point. So Alistair outside of photography what do you do for fun? How do you find that balance? Four kids keeps me busy. So I'm <laughs> often um, having fun with those guys, really. Uh, we have quite an outdoors life, which is, you know, we're, we're very lucky. So where most of, I would say, the majority of the work will be London, it's really nice to come back to Devizes, which is about a two-hour drive. But we're just in, in the middle of fields, really. It's a slower pace. I'm building dens, making, I've got a tree house to build. My son wants me to build a go-kart. So it's stuff like that, really. So I've also asked you to pick one of your you know, favourite image. Could you please describe it for us and tell us a bit more about it? So this was shot, I think, it's quite an old image, maybe 2010, 2011. It was a, a big gay wedding I shot. And I, I, I've ended up doing a lot of gay weddings. And this one in particular was just incredibly good fun. It was a marquee on the front lawn of their parents' house. And they just, everyone was just really very positive. And it just had a, a, such uh, uh, a nice vibe to the entire day. Uh, everyone just wanted to have fun. And on the side of this marquee, they made a, a miniature kind of rave type area. And a fancy dress came out, lighting came out. Uh, this was just after the first dance. Everyone was well-oiled because there was a, a very good quality cocktail bar. So it was just brilliant. And other than the, you know, the fun that they're having, it's the layers as well. I just love the subtle layering. It just, it, it just tells the story in one frame. Uh, and, I, 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 you know, and it, that's why it's remained a favourite for so many years. It's an awesome shot, and I see what you mean about the layers. Looking at it now, you've got maybe five or six different stories in that picture with people on the dance floor. It's uh, yeah. and the lights with those with those coloured rays of light coming in. Yeah, it's just it. I think it grows on you. It's um, it's lovely having these shots in the portfolio, and and every now and then you'll get a client that that contacts you and says, you know, they'll they'll specifically describe an image, and they'll they'll say about layering and you know, the mood that comes across. And it's, it's really rewarding. Um, you know, I, th I think layering is, should be second nature. You know, it should be 
something you just do without even thinking. Uh, right, a couple more things for you, Alistair. I want you to look to the future. Do you think you're still going to be shooting weddings in another 12 years? I think I will still be shooting weddings. I'll probably be shooting less. So that, that, that's really the plan for me over the next few years is to, is to do uh, um, maybe half the weddings. So last year I did 60. Uh, next year the plan is to do 30. Be around a bit more with the family. But I won't be stopping weddings. I'm just going to be slowing them down and increasing prices. Mm. It's, it's going to be different over the next few years. I'm actually, something that has developed from the photography is marketing consulting. So I do a lot of consulting for smaller companies, uh, photographers in particular. Um, and that's, that's something that will fill up uh, the void that reducing the weddings will leave. And finally... My last question, if I could take you back right to the start of your wedding career, what things would you say to yourself if you could? Oh, that's a a tricky question. I I would say um, don't spend stupid amounts of money on kit that you don't need. (laughs) Don't spend massive amounts of money on marketing that's been sold to you very well. Try and do things in a organic way you know build up your referrals rather than throwing money at things so do things on a budget hit a profit sooner and just be be careful about whose advice you take everyone is an expert so you just have to be you just have to sift through the information and take out what's applicable to you and what will work for you Alistair Freeman thank you so much for your time it's been wonderful no thank you thank you